Here's to the pioneers, the groundbreakers, the trailblazers, the risk takers. The ones who built something out of nothing, the church birthing few, who supernaturally knew there was more. They wanted to see what God would do next. This was the church they could see. They were faith-believing, house-meeting, tent-pitching visionaries, empowered by the Spirit, willing to do something and try something and, and be something new. The church they built with the prayers they prayed and the pennies they saved created more than just a place. They created space where love would replace legalism. They did not hold in white-knuckled grip their dream, no. They broke ground on ours. They dug in to create the church we might someday be, the kind of church we might someday see. So what is the right way to honor their dedication? It is not with tenacious protection of customs or traditions and certainly not handed down, hollowed out religion. No, we honor their faith with a passionate pursuit, not a chasing of what he has done, but following their lead and pressing toward what he will do next. This is the church I see. The church I see is so attractive, so refreshing, so inspiring. The buildings struggle to contain the increase. Like an oak tree that doesn't know its full strength or its full reach. It's a church growing in more than one place with creative space not defined by city limits or zip codes, but in community destinations proclaiming a Christ-centered message of real hope to the whole world. The church I see is identified by its kindness, reckless with compassion, where we walk palms up, eyes open, hearts broken for the uncared for, the unloved, the unfound, where the hungry are fed, the thirsty are satisfied, the hopeless are hopeful, and the bound up are unbound. The church I see takes next steps in greater obedience, where the spiritually mature encourage those just exploring so they too can begin growing, where those who are close remain steadfast and grow even closer. It's a place where the forgotten are remembered, relationships are mended, where prodigal sons and daughters are not met with cold told you so's, but grace-filled embraces that shout, welcome home. The church I see, she is not boring, but bursting with joy and with laughter. She's so impacting, the city cannot ignore her. The church I see, your God-given potential is the mission, where we yield to his purposes in our lives, our relationships, our marriages, and in our children. The church I see, we won't keep it to ourselves. You'll see his church in our lives and in our jobs, and the way we walk and the way we work in irrational generosity and extravagant worship. We're not impressed or propelled by the accolades of mere men. We simply humbly serve for the applause of an audience of one to hear his words, well done. The church I see is just getting started. And until Jesus comes back, she'll put aside this cause and that cause to seek and see save those who are still lost because no weapon formed against her will prosper. Not even hell with its devil could possibly ever stop her. She'll never stop going. She'll never stop growing. She'll remain relentless on mission with a global passion and God-given vision. This. 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 Is the church I see.
To be clear, the church I see is, is really not the church your pastor sees, but as God has given me the responsibility as the lead pastor, really, I'm more of the lead follower. I wanna see the church Jesus sees, and that's the responsibility he's given me as the lead pastor of Timber Creek Church. I, I'm not responsible for what this church or that church or the next church does, but for Timber Creek Church, I'm the lead follower, and I get my cues from Jesus, and we believe that is the church he sees for us moving forward. I wanna welcome you to a series of messages we're calling All In, and uh, it's way beyond messages, and I'll talk about that in just a moment. When you think of All In, I think about my family. Uh, 17 years ago, God called my wife and I to come to Lufkin, Texas and be on staff here. When I became uh, one of the staff members, I was the second youngest staff member on the team. Now, I'm, now there's only one person older than me on the team. Lord, have mercy, I had more hair, less on my back and more on my head. <laughs> my, how things change. My wife has been all in at Timber Creek Church. Uh, when she was four years old, moved from Huntsville to Lufkin. She was saved in this church, water baptized in this church. The only children's ministry and youth ministry my wife experienced is the youth ministry and children's ministry of this church. Uh, we were married right here on this platform at the Lufkin location and said I do and walked out to, and as we're running out, I'm excited. I stepped on Janet's dress. It half ripped off, you know. I was like, yeah. Uh, moving on. Um, my kids have been water baptized in this church. The only youth ministry and children's ministry my kids know are the youth ministry and children's ministry of this church. My kids have experienced camps through this church, missions trips through this church. Some of their very, very, very best friendships have come from this church. My wife and I and our family, this is more than just a church we happen to pastor. Like, we are all in. We're all in. And we love what God has done, but we're also looking towards what God will do next. This series, I wanna be right up front with you. And I want you to know that this is way more than just a series of messages. Over the next few weeks, leading up towards Easter, past Easter, even into Mother's Day, I'm gonna be unpacking stories from the Bible, characters from the Bible that went all in, moments in the Bible where the apostles and Jesus himself invite us to sacrifice, invite us to humility, invite us to live the blessed life, that, which is way more than just blessing your pocketbook. There's, a, there's something about a blessing from God, the Bible is full of blessings and God wants to bless your life. And this series though is way more than a, a message series, it is the launching of a two year season of accelerated vision initiatives. Accelerated vision initiatives. And here's what I'm asking of you right before. And listen, today you may have said, man, we're starting a little late. You, the, the, the first service drank from the fire hose. I felt like a mosquito at a nude beach. Like I knew what to do. I just, it was hard for me to know where to start and where to end. Like it was, there's a lot to talk about today. But I'm gonna be as expeditious with, as I can with your time. But I also know that this is God's time. 
This is God's time to speak to you, and I hope, I hope you'll open your ears and open your heart and open your eyes to what you haven't heard yet, what you haven't seen yet, what you haven't known yet, that is what God's vision would be for this church and for you personally. This series is going to take all of us going all in, and part of that is that we would pray like never before. Prayer is the key to everything you should do and everything you should be. You really can't calibrate yourself. It is a calibration system to put him first, to put his kingdom come, his will be done, to go daily for your bread, to have this element, this system, systemic ritual of, of, of laying bare your heart before God. Prayer is the key to everything you should do in life, everything you should become in life. And I'm inviting you to pray like never before, not only for the vision of God for your life and your family's life and your children's 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 life, but for this church, that you would pray like never before for this church, that you would engage like never before at Timber Creek Church, that you would leverage your time. Everybody has 168 hours. I got 168. You got 168 in the week. Martin Luther King Jr. had 168 in the week. How do you do it all? Intentional with his time. The way you spend your time is the way you have spent your life. Everybody gets somewhere in life, but only a few of us get there on purpose. And I'm inviting you to engage your time and your talent and your testimony, the way you tell people about Jesus just through your kindness and love. People will know you by your love for one another and also your treasure. So that means that pray like never before, engage like never before, and give like never before. Don't know what just happened, but that's, that's okay. We have a small mentality. Come on up and fix that. Uh, don't know what's going on. So you guys can read that though, so we'll, we'll figure it out. To give like never before. Now, when it comes to give like never before, some of you would say, when we're talking about all in and I talk about giving like never before, the truth is some of you are kinda, sorta, in. <laughs> As a matter of fact, when I, when I talk about being all in and I talk about giving, all of a sudden you're kind of like not in. As a matter of fact, you might already be starting to be complaining. Because here's, here, here's what can happen. The moment we start talking about treasure, we can talk about time, we can talk about talent, we, we can talk about drive, we can talk about power, we can talk about all those things. We start talking about giving and it's like this last frontier very, very rarely surrendered to God. And all of a sudden we start complaining, oh, I knew it, this church just gonna be about my money. All, want, all church wants is my money. No, no, listen, listen. Nobody stands in front of Choctaw Casino saying, this casino, all they want is my money. Yet that's all they want. And you, you don't go, well, I ain't going in there. You're like, oh. like, just go right in. Just right on in. And, and what can happen is we can be complaining about the treasure piece. And I want you to know, this is, that's not a financial issue. That's a spiritual issue. It really is. Because if God is God of everything except these things, then it's in those things that we need to surrender to God. When I, when I have a problem with finances and talking about finances, um, it, it, it's like a check engine light that goes on in my heart. It, it, it's, it's something that we have to at least deal with. And so maybe that's you. It's, it's a few of you. It's okay. You're still, I'm well, you are, you are here and I'm glad you're here and look at, listen to me very clearly. 
If you're here and you've never given before, you've never trusted God with your finances, but through this series, you stick with it and you decide you wanna become generous, but becoming generous means that you're not gonna be here, but you'll be generous at another church. I would rather you go and be generous at another church than just not be generous because it's not about this church. It's about you and what God wants for you and through you and what God unlocks in your heart when we take on the heart of generosity. Hey, hey maybe, maybe you're here and you are a visitor. You're gonna swing this over and try and fix this while I look up there? Is that what we're gonna do? Hey, you know what? Stop, come here, Chris. No, no, nobody, nobody sees uh, the 50 plus media team dream teamers unless something goes wrong. Um, but, but, but most of the time it all goes right. So can you just give a shout out to everybody online, the media team, the dream team, go, go fix it, go fix it. I love these guys, I'm proud of this team, and there's so many volunteers that make it work, and every once in a while, uh, the, the, the screen gets demon-possessed. So, in the name of Jesus, come out. <laughs> okay, so hey, maybe you're visiting in the church. You're visiting, and you're like, oh, we're gonna start talking about giving. I could not think of a better time for you to come and be a part of Timber Creek Church, because we are gonna lay out what God is asking us to do next. So if you are wondering, what's this church about? What are we passionate about? What are we gonna bleed for? What are we gonna die, what mountain are we gonna die on? What are we gonna fight over? I can promise you ain't gonna be our methods. We date our methods, we marry the mission. We're gonna go all in on what God's vision is. And so maybe you're here and all of us, whether you're a guest, you're complaining, you're wondering, you're kinda sorta in, you're all in or not, you may be wondering, what's next? What is next? Well, that's why we need to have God's heart for what he wants to do next in our life. The scripture says it like this in the wisdom book of Proverbs. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But then scripture goes on to say, but when they attend to what he reveals, they are what? Most, say what, Lufkin? Come on, Nagadoges, Lufkin, together. When they attend to what he reveals, see, a lot of people wanna do God things, but they kinda do whatever they think is right, and God is inviting us into a life that attends to what he's already revealed through his scripture, what he's revealing to us to already do. Many times people are waiting for God to give them a sign, for a cloud to look like this, for, a, uh, for, for to see Jesus' face in your toast. It's called grilled Jesus. Uh, and, and we're looking for all these things. And God just says like, hey, just attend to what I've already revealed. I was hungry. You gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. I was lonely. You visited me. I was in prison. You came to me like you love me with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You love your neighbor as yourself. You're going and making disciples, baptizing them in the name of Jesus and the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Like, let's do that really, 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 really good before we come up with some other stuff. How about it, everybody? I'm preaching better than you're responding this morning, Lufkin. Nacogdoches, I can hear him from there. So how do we attend to what he's revealed? We, under, we have to understand the depth of his vision. We have, to, we have to understand the importance of God's vision for your life and for this body of Christ. Five things, if you're gonna take notes, five things about God's vision that I wanna give you before we unpack this whole idea of where we're headed in the years to come. Number one, 
God's vision is one of his many languages. Speaking of many languages, it is my thrill to be hosting Iglesia Timber Creek in the house at 9.30 and 11.15. Yeah. Love you guys. We're here together just for these next few weeks to hear the heart of your lead pastor. And then back in May 22nd, we'll be going back over to Iglesia Timber Creek and you'll be launching into a new series. But in the meantime, it's important that we're all, as you are in transition with a venue pastor, that we are all on the same page of where God wants us to go next. It's critical that we have unity. We don't have to speak the same language, but we do have to have the same direction in where we're headed God is not some white middle-class Texan who only speaks English and wears a, a, a big hat and, and cattle and has some cattle. If, if, if he speaks any language, it's Hebrew, okay? But he really doesn't speak all, he speaks all languages. He created all languages. He's God. He speaks God. But one of his languages, whoop, there it is. One of his languages, in my blind spot, 100% blind in my left eye, and it just kind of came out of nowhere. Just about went Jackie Chan on somebody. Thank you, sir. Now let's see if it happens. Let's see if it actually works. Go, go one. Okay, now go back. All right, so it works. Good job. Give it up for the media team. All right. Um, the Bible says in the birth of the church, this was spoken by Peter, but earlier, hundreds of years earlier, it was by the, the prophet Joel. He says, hey, in the last days, I'm gonna pour out my spirit on all People. No longer is it just going to be one voice like the pastor's voice or the priest's voice or Malachi or Isaiah or Daniel or Jeremiah, but all people have the capacity to be the hands and feet and the voice of God empowered by the Holy Spirit. Your sons and daughters, both male and female, free and not free, you're, you, they will prophesy. In other words, they will speak to what hasn't been seen yet. It's God's vision for their life. It's a language that God uses. Young men will see visions. They'll see Old men will dream dreams. So he is, not, he is not just using one generation. In fact, he's using every single generation. And I wanna speak to every generation from Iglesia to Nac to Lufkin to Church Online. I want you to know that God is not done with you. We are always waiting on what God will do next, not hanging on to what, ju what God just did last. It's one of his many languages. Number two, God's vision should be the target of my faith. Like, faith ought not to be in a particular denomination. Faith ought not to be in a particular pastor. Faith ought not to be in a particular method. Faith ought to be focused on what God says, on what God sees. His vision for us through the word of God and what God is speaking lined up with his word to what the future holds. The book of Hebrews is like the faith book and the author says it like this in chapter 11, faith is the substance of things hoped for, like we haven't quite seen it yet. So, so faith is like we're gonna paint the target and the bullseye is what we're hoping for that God does. It's evidence of things not yet seen. Evidence and you can't see it, it's like DNA evidence. It's inside but you can't see it. God cares about the DNA evidence of this church. What, what, what do we not yet see that he already sees? And I can tell you, if God sees it and you don't see it, it, it is just as real as what you can see, what he can see that you cannot. That's the kind of God he is. And our faith ought to be propelled toward those things. Number three, God's vision is always bigger than my ability. Motor, Moses had a st st stuttering problem. He had a 
leadership deficiency in his own heart. He had plenty of insecurities. Yet after 40 years having left Egypt because he killed a guy, he's called by God at the burning bush to go deliver the entire nation of Israel, the Hebrew children, out of bondage and into a promised land. And Moses, like he just didn't think he had the capacity. He didn't think he had the ability. And the truth was he was absolutely right. He was right. He didn't have what it took, but he had I am. He had God with him, and me plus God is all I need. But they had all kinds of things, like how are we going to eat out here? And yet God says, I'll be your bread. I'll provide the bread. You want us to walk around the walls of Jericho how many times? Like, like th that's bigger than our ability, and yet God provided at every single turn. God provided for them, and his ability to provide for you is bigger than your ability to provide for yourself. Number four, God's vision goes way beyond my resources. When Jesus, on the calling of the first disciples, asked Peter to launch out into the deep, let out the nets for a catch, his nets, what he had with him, did not have enough capacity to carry and contain the miracle that God was wanting to stir. See, the, the, the miracle on the, on the water that day, I gotta be careful because I'm gonna preach on some of this next week. I don't wanna give it to you now. I got a long enough sermon, so let me just keep going anyway, and I'll just, just tell it to you anyway. I got the microphone. Walk out if you get tired. Don't bother me, none. So, I'm kidding. Don't do that, and I'm gonna be quick. How many fish did they catch that day on the Sea of Galilee when Jesus said, launch out? Did they catch all the fish in the sea? The answer is no. They only caught what their nets had the capacity to catch. Had they had more nets, they would have caught more fish. As a matter of fact, their nets were just about ready to break and sink. And so he brought another boat beyond their own capacity to be able to carry what God had intended to stir up for them. It's always beyond our own resources. He wants divine partnership. Number five, God's vision always results in changed lives. Listen, you can have a vision for your life. You can have a vision of, uh, of doing this thing and doing that thing. And some of you, you're young enough, like your vision is, is just, I just want to get my driver's license. Like, and that's a big old vision. Like, if, I can't wait to do chores for my parents. Just remember that. Just remember that a couple of years later. You know, I want to get that job. I want to get that promotion. I want to get, I want to marry. Some, some of you have big dreams. I'm going to hike the Himalayas. I'm going to swim with the sharks. I'm going to kiss the most beautiful girl in the world. I have done one of those things. And swimming with those sharks are scary. They're scary. <laughs> oh. It always results in changed lives. In other words, God's vision isn't just for us, it's always for those, it's for us and those beyond us. What is God asking us to do next? That's the church he sees. When it comes to Timber Creek Church, we're 95 years old. 95 years old, that's a, that, that, that's, it's not common to have a lot of churches, a lot of churches that are over 95 years old become museums. They become repurposed. There's not a lot of, there are, even in this city, there are churches that are over 100 years old, but we're 95 years old, way back when, 95 years ago in March of 1927, a handful of people, about 17 people, started meeting at a house downtown Lufkin. And they said, God wants to do more. We wanna see what God will do 
next. And they were, were propelled by the scriptures of Acts to be empowered by the Spirit to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. And that house stopped containing them. And so they did what only they could do at the time. And they cast their nets and they launched out and they built, uh, they, they bought a tent. They bought a tent and they began to fill up the tent and they began to raise resources. They began to go all in with a different look and a different feel, but they went all in and they were able to there in the thirties build their very first building on Culver House right here in, 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 in Lufkin. That building later would be torn to the ground and in the same spot, the women would, would uh, straighten out the nails they saved from that building being torn down to repurpose those nails in the new building that still stands today and a church still attends, a church still meets in that building on Culver House today. Could, you, could, could, could they imagine 95 years ago that what they were preparing for was going to become what it is today, that back in 1927 with a population of Lufkin, Texas of 7,000 people, could they have imagined that, do you think the pastor may have said one day in that living room or in that tent, someday everybody, I see us having such a revival, such a, such a harvest of souls that at an Easter we'll have the entire population of the city in our attendance on an Easter. And I wonder if they said, Okay, because that's pretty bold, that's pretty crazy, but last year in 2021, we had 6,200 people in physical attendance at our locations during Easter, almost the entire population of Lufkin 95 years ago. They were faithful and faithful and faithful, and for the first 65 years, there, there wasn't a lot of numerical growth, but there was a lot of spiritual growth. And like anything, like even your investments, how it can start and you gotta kinda plot away and plot away and plot away, but compounding interest begins, the, the, the more you're faithful, the more you're faithful, you can begin to see those things be fruitful and fruitful and fruitful, and we're standing on the shoulders of the shoulders of the shoulders of compounding spiritual interest over the years, over 65 years. Those first 65 years, we saw 1,000 people coming to the kingdom of God. Their names are written in the Lamb's book of life. But in that faithfulness, those people mattered. And in that faithfulness, as we've grown, we've seen over the last 30 years now, from 1992 to 2021, that, that prayer and the seeking God and the consistency and the faithfulness of pastors way before me, that's grown from 1,000 salvations that over the next 30 years, we saw 18,000 salvations total for the kingdom of God in the first 95 years of the church. We're trying to build the kingdom of God. Not all those people attend this church. Not all of those people uh, are in this state, uh, but we are called to reach lost people. That's the heartbeat of God. Lost people saved is the number one item on his agenda. As a matter of fact, it's the only thing on his agenda. If people will get saved, those people can then become free and they can discover his purpose in their life and then they can make a difference for the kingdom of God. It's all about starting with lost people being saved. And if you're looking for a church that will make more and better disciples, you betcha, we're going to help you. Your God-given potential is the mission, but we will always have a disproportionate focus, a disproportionate energy moving towards those that have yet to come to Jesus because churches all the time move inward and inward. Me, us four, let, let us four no more. Us three, let us be. Us two, it'll do. Us one, let's have some fun. Like that's what it is. 
and we're gonna go after the one, a disproportionate energy to chase after lost people because lost people matter deeply to God. Now, through all of this, through all, through, through all of this, that handful of people, could you, do you think they could have seen that that would have resulted back in 1927, a living room full of prayer warriors and dream teamers and tent, tent setter-uppers, nail-straightened outerers, faithful people, could result in 95 years later 2,500 people on a weekend and eight services over six locations in two different languages. Could they have seen it? My question for us today is if a handful of people in a living room could be faithful to God and see this kind of return, what could, what could a church of 2,500 over time of continuing to be faithful and fruitful with the capacity of compounded interest behind us, living on the shoulders, on the shoulders, on the shoulders of prayer after prayer, engagement after engagement, sacrifice after sacrifice. What might God do in the years to come with 2,500 that say, let's be faithful, let's go after God, let's get the vision that God has for this church. This has resulted in not just these things, but they are people. This stuff represents people. You say, oh, this church is all about the numbers. Well, of course we're out the numbers. You don't have three to five kids. You know how many kids you got. You number them. You care. There's an entire book of the Bible named numbers, so God must care too. Like he cares about people because people matter to God. You're not a widget in this whole kingdom thing. You are the mission. You are God-given potential. You, you're the mission that God has called us to. But this is translated into five years ago, we launched our first all-in season of vision engagement. And back then, five years ago, we were one church in one location with two languages. One church in one location with two languages. And we said five years ago, you know, Jesus said I was in prison and you visited me and we need to do that. And we began to launch prison campuses. In that five years, we launched two prison campuses, Dieball and Duncan, and what started with nothing. They, they have chapel, they have their own spiritual ministries, that, that's great, but for us, we were not doing anything. We launched these prison venues and we've seen almost 100 men water baptized in the last five years. <laughs> Stories come out every single week of what God is doing and, and those that people have forgotten. And God's calling us to reach people that nobody's reaching, to, to remember the forgotten. Lord, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or in prison? When you went to them, you went to me. We are kissing Jesus on the cheek when we do what he's called us to do. This has turned into stories like Brandon. I was at the Dieball Correctional Facility. I've been out sober working since I was released, but most importantly, getting closer to God because of your volunteers and church services. My life is so beautiful now because of Timber Creek Church. God bless all of you. This is people like Doug, who made a hard left turn in his life and made some critical errors, fell short of the glory of God. He sinned against God and sinned against people and uh, found himself serving time for as a consequence of his actions. But Doug became a dream teamer at Timber Creek and started running sound 
His dad sent me a text message later on that said, my son is walking with Jesus again. And Doug was faithful and he served his time and he served with Timber Creek Church all that we were there until the time where he was finally released and we had the privilege of helping organize his, home, his, his homecoming. And on the, on the steps of this church at the Lufkin location, Doug got to be reunited with his family for the first time in a long time. It was five years ago in All In that we said we ought to have a church over the Northview Plaza in Nacogdoches in what was just the Steels building and an empty building of concrete and some poles and a little bit of sheetrock. There was a group of people, Nacogdoches, that believed in what God saw that we didn't see yet, there, that we ought to look beyond ourselves to other people. And there was a group of people that gathered and prayed in the worship center, the auditorium that you're in right now, believing what God might do. Uh, people that sacrificed with their prayer and their engagement and their giving that have never even attended a service there, but they believed in what God was speaking, that we ought to be beyond this city limit and beyond this zip code and beyond this area and that God was wanting to build his church in more than one place with creative space not defined by city limits or zip codes. Sure enough, what has started as a dream, what started as a vision has become reality. And just in the last 120 services at Timber Creek, Nacogdoches, we've seen 340 people give their heart to Jesus, 319 get connected through starting point, 300 people join a dream team, and 590 plus in weekend attendance. Last week, they had just under 700 at their services. That's what God's doing when we attend to what he reveals. The global pandemic uh, was an opportunity for us to double down on our online reach and our online campus. And now across the United States, every week, these are areas where people are tuning in. And I just wanna point it out. We're coming for you, Wyoming. We're coming for you. And you're welcome. Some of you are like, which one is that? That's Wyoming. <laughs> New York, we're still praying for you too. But Wyoming, we're coming for you. Just last week, um, uh, I got a, a text message from a new friend of mine who was watching online in Colorado, and, and we had met at a men's conference, and he said, hey, are you online, and can I watch you online? I said, yeah, you know, timbercreekchurch.com, that kind of thing. Uh, it just so happens, it's my, it's my new friend who happens to be the starting right guard for the Denver Broncos, Dalton Reisner, and, so, and we're just hanging out, you know? God loves Broncos too, everybody, he does, he does. Oh, I got, I, oh, I got two Bronco fans in the, in the room. Okay, bless you. Oh, bless your heart. But hey, th th that's awesome. But that, that, that pales in comparison to, a, to, to my other friend who's a Cowboys fan, actually. And that's my friend Journey. And Journey is joining us online at Timber Creek Church Online and has been faithful and part of our Lufkin location, Nacogdoches, you haven't had the privilege of meeting my friend Journey, but in the pandemic has not been able to kind of come back quite yet and kind of, uh, you know, maybe coming back, we'll, we'll see. I love you, Journey, if you're watching right now, but the other day, uh, Rose, um, her grandma sent me a, a, a Jan and I a video of, of them engaging with church online and, and it was uh, Journey singing along with us and I think we have that. always love. More enough, 
I don't believe the online experience will ever take the place of us gathering together like this, but it is a resource and a tool and an opportunity to take next steps. And I'm so thankful for what God is doing, not just now nationally, but globally from Canada to Chile, from Iraq to Kenya, Africa, every single week, people engaging. Who would have thought in 1927 that we'd have people all over the world connecting with what God wants to do with this little old church in Lufkin, Texas, Nacogdoches, USA. We're so blessed. And we do not want to take this for granted. And we sure don't want to keep all this to ourselves. And all of this is great, but it all comes back down to that disproportionate focus on reaching lost people. See, you can get saved. Lost people get saved and then saved people can become free. Just because you're saved doesn't mean you're always freed up. You're freed from your sin, but you're not living free. That may be some of you today. You love Jesus, but you, you still got a hang up, a habit, a hold up. You got a yesterday that you need to settle. You got something in the, in the rear of your mirror and God has so much for you out here, but he wants to settle your yesterdays so that you can know him personally and find freedom and discover his purpose for your life and then make the difference, not just a difference, the difference for the kingdom of God. And us together, we'll, we'll continue to be passionate about reaching lost, hurting people because that's God's vision for this church. People like my friend who, I'm gonna keep anonymous this morning, but they wanted to write this to tell my story and also thank God for never giving up on me. She says, growing up wasn't easy for me because of how I was raised by my mother who's now gone from this world alongside my brother who also passed away July 13, 2018. Both committed suicide. I was at first a person who didn't believe in God or the devil or anything actually. I lived in a life you would call a life full of pain and scars. I was a witness and a victim of rape, molestation, abuse, physical, verbal, emotional, neglection, and drugs. The way I figured out that God was there is the many of times I tried to commit suicide. But for some amazing reason, after all the attempts I tried to take my life, something or someone didn't allow me to die. I tried to go to church at one point, but I never attended again because of how these people that praise God judged me because of my scars. I turned to a drug called meth, which I started at the age of 15 instead of running to God. Again, but I still loved him. I, I was just even more ashamed to even walk in front of him more than ever because I ran to something else instead of him. And in time, I was getting comfortable dating. And at the age of 18, so I could run away from my mom, even though men still scared me after the things I went through as a child. And in those days, I found out that I wasn't able to have kids, which was told to me by my doctors for the same reason I couldn't trust men because of the abuse. I felt useless and I felt like I was meant to just stay alone forever. She found her husband, but again, in order for this to stay anonymous, me and my husband, she found him, but they were put in jail because of uh, the addiction. I was devastated, but I still didn't hate God or blame him. Instead of me and my husband began to pray for his forgiveness and to allow us to be set free. In jail, I was given the most amazing gift. I went to hospital while in jail because I was informed that I was six months pregnant and he was a boy. I dropped to my knees and told God, thank you. So did my husband, because I was going to finally have a child who surprisingly was healthy and active and is coming to this world on October 28th to 31st of 2021. So right then and there, me and my husband knew why we went to jail, <laughs> because God was preparing us for the best. 
We stayed two months in that jail, got out with high hopes of starting over without the drugs in our life. After getting back home, me and my husband finally realized we gotta go to church to thank God, even though I was still scared that people would judge me. When the day came, I was nervous. I stayed close to my husband, holding his hand tight. I walked through the doors, and instead of judgment, I was greeted with nothing but love. Thank you, Timber Creek. Thank you. The best part, <laughs> the best part was the sermon, which was given by Pastor Jeremy. Speak, girl, speak. <laughs> I was blown away and amazed how he spoke about our amazing father. I never seen anybody talk about God's word the way he did. I started going every Sunday, and the best part was how every time I had a feeling or a question, which never did I understand from any other person I asked about my questions about God, could be. It was like Pastor Jeremy was truly allowing God to flow through him to finally give me an understanding of the truth, and I finally understood. I wanted to say thank you, Timber Creek, for allowing me to truly feel God the way I always wanted to feel him so I could finally not feel ashamed to say, and I love it in all caps, to God himself. I love you, God. Thank you, God, for never giving up on me. Timber Creek really is a church where everyone can truly go to, even people like me and my husband. And you better believe we're after those people. I got this letter September of last year. Got this letter September of last year and she was eight months pregnant. And uh, at Christmas time, we had a very special first time guest in our nursery, very healthy baby boy. And after one of our Christmas services, right down front, right over here at the Lufkin location, got to hold this baby boy and meet my friends and talk about what God is doing. Eighteen thousand total salvations. This family is a couple of them. God is not done yet. As much as we're thankful for what He has done, we continue to press toward what He wants to do next. That's what vision is. Listen, everybody gets somewhere. <laughs> You're gonna get somewhere. You're gonna spend your life but can we get there on purpose? Can we see the vision that God has for us and this church? And I want you to know that this is like a Russian doll situation. If you don't know what a Russian doll is, it's like a nesting doll or a nesting table where there's a big table and then a smaller table and a smaller table and all slides in together. A Russian doll, you pop it open and there's another doll and then another doll and then another doll. I believe this is the way God's dreams work. You have dreams but I believe that those dreams, along with God's dream and the dream of the church, that they can work together, that, that, that God is gonna put us together, a true north with both of us to see God's dreams fulfilled, his kingdom come, his will be done. And so as we look forward, as 95 years old, when we turn 100, it'll be 2027, five years from turning 100. That is, that is a monumental moment. That is a centennial. That is like a lot of organizations don't get to 95. They sure don't get to 100. Many, many families never get to celebrate a 100th birthday with a family member. We, we cherish children, and it weighs so heavy on our heart when a child dies. 
because what we feel is that, that all that vision and the dreams and the capacity and all that they had to provide this world was, was cut short. And so we grieve differently for a child who's lost. And although we always grieve with a loved one is lost when they get to be 95 or 97, like we say, oh, grandma passed away. But we also, there's almost like a, yeah, but she's, she's in heaven or, oh, but man, she's not suffering anymore. Or we get it because we understand like capacity capacity and opportunity. And sometimes if we're not careful, the older an organization gets, we just kind of say, well, you know, leave that to the youngins, leave that to the next church, leave that to the other people, leave that. But God is always saying, no, 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 in my, in my kingdom, we're always, we're always moving forward. We're, we're never, we're never like church like this. Like we're wait, we're, we're, that's me on a walker, by the way. I don't know, that wouldn't like me dancing. I wouldn't, I wasn't doing like the I, I, salsa. I, I, I was, you know, you know what I mean? Like tennis balls, the whole deal. You get to be 100, like you're not even buying green bananas anymore. I mean, you know, like, like you're, you're <laughs> because you know, you just don't know what's next. But when we turn 100 in five years from now, as we celebrate, it's way gonna be beyond 100 candles on cupcakes. I'm believing that God is going to provide so much more than we could ask or imagine. So what is it that he would want at his 100th birthday party for this church? For this 100th, for this centennial, if Jesus were to walk into our party five years from now and we were to present him a gift and he were to unwrap it and he were to open it up and he were to see it and he would say, oh, Jesus opens the gift and he says, oh, this is exactly what I wanted. Oh, you, you, you know me so well. You know me so well. Thank you. What would cause Jesus to say, oh, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done. You knew my heart. You, you, you didn't do this last minute. You put some thought into this. Thank you. That's what this vision is all about. Let me tell you what God says well done over. Multiplied kingdom impact. Jesus in the scripture, in the book of Matthew, says there's a master and some servants, and those servants, one bag of gold, two bags of gold, five bags of gold. He says, take care of it. I'm going away. I'm gonna come back. Be faithful with that. Invest it. He says, well done, good and faithful servant, to the one with five bags of gold that invested it and multiplied the impact. To the one with two bags of gold, so it didn't matter if it was five or two or one, those that did well, he said, well done, good and faithful servant. Do you know that you can go to heaven and his, his like, hey, welcome in, is not well done, good and faithful servant to everybody. Because if well done, good and faithful servant is said to everybody that enters into heaven, then all of a sudden it's about you being good and you doing well, and your salvation has nothing to do with you being good or you doing well. It has to do with him being well and him doing good on the cross for you to provide the free gift of salvation. But if you wanna hear well done, it means whatever he's giving you, you have worked for the kingdom of God. I want my kids to enter heaven and I don't want them just to scrape in there. I want God to say well done, Graham. Well done, Sage. I want my wife and I to enter into heaven and God say, well done, Jeremy and Janet. You, you were faithful with a few things. Now, 
have at it with a lot of things. Multiply kingdom impact. So how do we measure multiply kingdom impact? Here's what God is calling us to do at Timber Creek Church over the next five years. To carry on this exponential compounding interest growth spiritually. To see 36,500 souls for the kingdom of God by the time we turn 100. That is doubling the investment that's already been made. What took 95 years to get to 18,000, God is asking us, could we double what took 95 in five? Can we double what took 95 in five? You know what's beautiful about this number? It's just not, not just multiplied double kingdom impact. But when we turn 100 years old, do you know what the gift will be to Jesus? When he opens it up and says, well done, good and faithful servant, it's 36,500 souls. That will represent one soul a day for every single day. This church has been called a church. One soul a day, 365 days a year for 100 years. 36,000, there is no greater purpose than to see lost people saved. Well, what about making more or better disciples? You are not a more or better disciple if you don't care about lost people being saved. Learn 17 more scriptures while your neighbor goes to hell. Lost people matter. We're gonna reach them globally. We have plans to reach them all across, but we're also gonna like walk across the yard. There are people in your neighborhood that unless someone shows them the goodness and the kindness of Jesus, they are destined to eternity without him. We have so disconvinced ourselves of hell and the wrath of God that we've actually watered down the power of the cross and the power of the good news. Hell is real, so is heaven. So is the good news. And if we're really gonna be better disciples, we gotta be about the heartbeat of God. Lost people saved. And that may sound crazy to you, but look at Jesus' own trajectory. Born, two years old, 12 years old. We don't even hardly hear about him at all until he jumps, gets water baptized the last three and a half years of his ministry. And he's like, it's like, it's awesome. Like, like, let's go. I mean, he just gets it. But then he has three and a half years of ministry, all kinds of miracles. He sees all kinds of peoples begin to follow him. Then he is executed, buried. He's raised from the dead three days later. He hangs out for 40 days. That's awesome. But 40 days later, he says, I'm leaving again. And it's like, you know, I don't know if it was like pin and Teller or what, but he was like, and they were just, what? And here's what happened with those disciples. They were like this. Oh, I lost him, lost him, cloud, cloud. Oh, Andrew, there he is, there he is, there he is. Okay, we keep watching, keep watching. They did that for so long, angels had to show up and say, why are you standing here? He already told you what to do, go do it. <laughs> like, and they wait for 10 more days, and after 10 days, so all of Jesus' ministry, we get to 50 days later, 120, only 120 people out of all that ministry hanging out praying, and yet in one day, because they're empowered by the Spirit, 3,000 people are added. Don't tell me God can't use what we have to do something exponential if we will invest it in the right places. So, what does this look like then? 
If this is where we're headed, multiplied kingdom impact, 36,500 salvations, what ought to happen right there? Well, let go and let God. That's what we need to do, Jeremy. Just let go and let God. You know, we don't need to set the agenda. Let's let God say, his will be done on heaven. So, you would not tell a farmer, you would not tell a farmer, let go and let God. They'd be standing there, let go and let God. Like, get in the combine. Get in the tractor. You wouldn't tell a, con you know, a contractor, let go and let God. Like, pick up the hammer. God wants to use the supernatural and the natural to do something miraculous, always. So what is this going to look like? It's going to look like trusting God like never before, praying like never before, engaging like never before, giving like never before, towards these two key elements. Multiplying locations, multiplying leaders. Multiplying locations and multiplying leaders. When it comes to multiplying locations, we're gonna have three focuses here. The first will be we're gonna leverage our existing locations right here uh, at Timber Creek, not only the English broadcast, but Iglesia and also uh, Nacogdoches. Those are our existing locations. Online is another location. We're, gonna, we're going to leverage those and make them better and better. Create more space, build bigger nets to catch more people. Five years ago, when it came to the Lufkin location, when it came to the Lufkin location, five years ago, we went all in. We were gonna do Nacogdoches and the prisons and everything, and we had a plan. We had already built out kind of a plan to add additional lobby space and new area and leadership development piece. And you can see over here that we were going to add um, you know, a lake and stock it with some fish, and have, we're gonna have a legacy path that walks around our 25 acres, and it was just gonna, we we're just gonna beautify this campus and different, different angles here. But we had to put that on pause. Because God was asking us in that moment, although we had a plan to it, it's like God said, will you put your current thing on pause to do a new thing? Will you do it? And we now realize, had we gone all in just in the left location, we would not have had the capacity to do the other things first. And it was like God saying, do this first, and all the other things will be added. Do this first, and my, how he has blessed it. Do the prisons first, and my, how God blessed that. Do Nacogdoches, and my, how God has blessed Nacogdoches. Here we are five years later, didn't have a clue. There was not a multi-site church in a 90-mile radius of Lufkin. We were talking about video venue, and people were saying, video, watch, watch TV, watch a sermon on a video, what? Like half of you watch me on the screen already anyway, and you're live. <laughs> it never fails, though. Every time I go to the, to the Nacogdoches location, here's what I get, which I love this. I, nobody has ever said this. Boy, you're a lot taller in person. Nobody's ever said that. They say the exact, boy, you're shorter in person. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you for speaking to my insecurities. <laughs> you know, spiking my hair up, whatever I have left. We push pause on the Lufkin location, but this is going to be the central support. This is the headquarters for what God wants to do. Now, he has given us 25 acres of hope right here. And we gotta leverage these 25 acres of hope. So we're pushing play back on the Lufkin location. Nacogdoches, listen to me and don't zone out. You may never attend this Lufkin location, but I want you to know that before you ever had a seat to sit in, the Lufkin location gave extravagantly for you. They gave extravagantly for you. And now I'm inviting you to do the same. 
to build out the hub, the epicenter, the headquarters for what God wants to do next. And here are some of the things that that looks like. At the Lufkin location, we're gonna expand our lobby. Uh, we, we need more space together. It's too tight for the bigger church that we are. Student center is gonna be renovated and repurposed more towards uh, college and some other things we're doing along with additional office spaces, broadcast and technology upgrades. We're gonna add additional parking, add additional entrances into the church. We're gonna add outdoor spaces for community engagement from ponds and gazebos and outdoor wedding uh, venue to pickleball courts, six pickleball courts that are on the plans and some, I mean, thick, awesome white sand, Destin white sand beach volleyball. Why? Because like we want to be the place that's a community destination where anyone can find and follow Jesus. And before they even come to church, they might be on this campus. And it's not just the outdoor space. Like yesterday, we honored a, a, a police officer. This place was filled with, with the funeral of a police officer doesn't attend here, but this is a community destination. And we provide those spaces and opportunities like that so that when people come onto this campus, they say, hey, maybe this might be a church I could come to. Maybe this is a place that I, I need to check out with my family and, and, and kids space that is leveraged. I mean, Nickelodeon and Disney are winning the hearts and the imagination of our kids every single day. The church ought to win their imagination too. There's nothing wrong with spending a bajillion amount of money on college. We're gonna leverage our resources to create space for the next generation. On top of this though, Herod's temple, the, the, the temple built that God designed for them, 20% uh, of the temple was actually built for worshiping, actual worship. The other 80% was actually for community and connection and hangout like talking about the things of God and hanging out. So like, yeah, they didn't have a pickleball court, but they did have a court, court of the Gentiles, court of the Jews. They had a place to hang out and talk. This is the kind of things we're gonna do at Lufkin. We're also gonna do that. Uh, uh, we're gonna have licensed professional counseling services at the Lufkin location to start. And then our goal is where every location we launch, yes, you can give God glory for that. With every location we launch, we believe that those locations then can be uh, the different branches of professional counseling services. The demand is so high and the supply is so low. And for years and years and years, we thought that people could only get sick from the neck down. And so as the church, we're kind of even guilty of just like just rubbing some prayer on it and not having a strategy to realize that people need prayer and need connection from the neck up too. That there's emotional and mental and spiritual issues that happen uh, in all of our life. And we want to be able to have the space where people can find freedom from some of the thoughts that are holding them back. The NAC location, we're going to do the same uh, there on the uh, wing that's got Kimberly's Closet, Gamer's Hollow, and something else. Doesn't that, that sound like sexy? Kimberly's Closet and Gamer's Hollow. And uh, we're, we're going we're gonna to call it something else. We're not going to call it that. We're going to call it Timber Creek Church. But, but we're going to be able to add space there. We're, we're already starting the negotiation process to add more space for ministry offices and extra space for there to be groups and hangouts and stuff like that. So that's going to be uh, happening. That's leveraging existing. We're going to launch new locations and communities that are thriving, communities that are growing, we're going to reach in and plant Timber Creek locations in those areas. And uh, we have already identified the eight key places where we feel God is, is calling us towards. We don't know in what order these are gonna happen. We're waiting for God to reveal it. We wanna to attend to what he reveals when the opportunity comes open. That's where we're gonna go. But over the next several years and until Jesus comes back, this is, this is where God is, is, is directing us. But these are the next eight. South Tyler, Palestine, Longview, Huntsville, Henderson, Lumberton, Living 
Kingston and who knowsville. Who knowsville is just like that trump card. We don't, we don't know where God's gonna call us next, but at least those seven locations, we, we have already been in contact. It's just interesting what God is doing. The moment we started casting this vision, how people have already started coming out of the woodwork saying, I live in Livingston. Oh, man, I, I wanna be a part. If, you, if you're gonna do Livingston, I wanna be a dream teamer. Friends that just contacted me from Longview. I just, I was watching online. You mentioned something about Longview. Are you gonna have a location in Longview? Bless God, I'm believing not only that, but across the, across the sea, up north in Canada. Who knows what God has? Who knows what God has? But this is really a number that ought to concern you. 380,000. And this is the third place we're gonna go. We're gonna leverage existing. We're gonna launch new. But in the next decade, in the next 10 years, 380,000 churches will die. 380,000 little churches, a lot like the church I grew up in, a lot like the church my dad pastored, a lot like the church this church used to be in the 70s. 380,000 churches in America are going to shut down. It will be because of two things, because the pastor is aging out and they don't know what to do and they have no plan and they struggle to stay alive. But most importantly, it's because they've drifted from their mission. And we all like sheep, we go astray and they want to reach people, but they're, they don't know how to anymore because methods change. And the message is the same, but the methods have shifted. And like, I think of my little church that I grew up in in Monette, Missouri, Monette Assembly of God, tiny little church that was empty, ended up being sold because they couldn't get what God wanted to do next. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna form divine partnerships with smaller churches that are looking for someone to help them. We can't go in and just take the reins, you know, <clears throat> Timber Creek, take the wheel. That's not what it's gonna be like. That'd, that'd be like trying to take your, the driver's license from your grandma. Like that's, that's a bad moment. Like, you know grandma can't drive. You just rode through, you drove through the barbed wire fence a third time now, grandma. We've gotta take your license. I'm fine, I'm fine, you know. Pfft, running over cows in the pasture. True story, my grandma, Violet Hill, Arkansas. She was mad at my dad for taking her license. Um, we don't wanna come in and try and take grandma's driver's license, but we do wanna come in and drive Miss Daisy. We do wanna come in and, support and lift up and encourage and help a pastor retire well and help a church regain what God had called. So that third piece is relaunching older locations and communities that need reviving. How many of you grew up in a small little church like that? You grew up in a small little church like that. And unless God does something, that church, it's gonna struggle. Some of you are that way, not all of them. But if it's a one bag of gold, God's calling it to be a two bag of gold church. I believe that with all my heart. Multiplied kingdom impact. We're gonna multiply locations. We're gonna multiply leaders. And here's what leaders do, Crystal. More leaders embodying Christ-like conviction, character, and conduct in every sector will advance the common good for humanity, reshape the spiritual landscape of our communities. Crystal, just advance these right here. And yeah, stop. So next-gen leadership residency community development for the city. I'm not talking about just ministry leaders. I'm talking about leaders. You, you ought to show people how Jesus would be a great employee. 
You ought, to show, you ought to show your business what it looks like for Jesus to be kind in a break room. If you are a lawyer, you show people what Jesus looks like practicing law. If you are a custodian, you show people what Jesus would look like if he were cleaning up after people. This is what God has called us to do, and it's not gonna be 36,500 souls that happen on a platform like this. It's gonna be your circle of influence, your people, your friends, your relatives, your associates, your neighbors out there going into all the world. You, you having a, a small group in your home, you just being kind and being kind and being kind and someone in your work finally says, you know, can you pray with me about this situation? Or you might, they may say, man, you just, you're just different. You're like, man, I, I just have hope. I wish I could give you some of the hope. Well, where'd you get that hope? Oh, let me tell you about where I got my hope. It's gonna take all of us on mission with God. It's going to take the community development, launching Southeastern University here at Timber Creek, cultivating future campus pastors. We're not, we're, we are interested in, in cultivating our own staff, not just hiring from outside. Sometimes that has to happen, but right now I'm pleased to say we are 80% as a staff, all internally hired, internally grown. We're building up our own farm league, baby. We got our own AAA ball team. It's, it's coming on strong and we're gonna launch. And some of you, you may be right now, wondering what God has for you next, but there has been seeds of ministry calling in your life. And it may not be full-time ministry like what I do, but God's called you. There's been seeds planted in you and there's gonna be a location that a next steps director, that's you. A campus pastor, that's you. Because God placed that in you and you didn't even realize it, but God is building that up in you and we wanna see that cultivated right here in the house. The miracle for what God wants to do next is in this house, everybody. In Nacogdoches, at Iglesia, in online. But also we're gonna help with holistic care for pastors in crisis. We wanna be the kind of church when a, church, when a pastor falls short of the glory of God and sins and when a pastor sins and falls short, and I, I sin every day, um, there are some sins that disqualify pastors for a season, and they step down into restoration, and many of them never get restored. They get forgotten. I wanna be the kind of church that would see pastors that have been forgotten and overlooked investing their bags of potential again. So we're gonna create an opportunity to partner with pastors who want to be restored, to be restored and built up, whether it's burnout or it's moral failure, makes no difference to God. Look at King David, look at Saul who persecuted Christians. God cares not about just what you did last, he wants to see what you're gonna do next. And all of this has to do with you. You are influence, you have influence, and your God-given potential is still the mission at Timber Creek. So the next 24 months, as I wrap up today, the next 24 months, thank you for being patient. This is a big vision Sunday. It's a lot of vision for one sermon. I'm gonna unpack a little bit of these in more detail as we go through the next few weeks. But here's what it's gonna take over the next 24 months. Cody, help me out. Not that I'll go faster, but it also always sounds a little bit better and it soothes you guys when I have piano in the background. Like, okay, he's about to, he's about to end. <laughs> Next 24 months, supernatural activity. We cannot do what God wants us to do without God doing it through us. Amen, everybody? We need the hand of God to supernaturally move. Pray like never before. We also have to engage strategic stewardship. Engage and give like never before. 
before. Here's our secondary goal for what all this is gonna take. Um, remodeling churches, building, doing construction, new lease agreements at the Nacogdoches location, which by the way, Nacogdoches, I'm believing we're gonna own that whole thing someday. We're gonna own the whole Northview Plaza. In the meantime, baby steps. But here's the secondary goal. In the next two years, um, would God speak to our hearts to be generous to the capacity of giving $11 million. Um, and I want you to know that that's the secondary goal. But here's how that breaks down. Already in a year, and if you're visiting, this is information. I mean, we, we, we don't really, we don't hide the finances. Like we, we're very open. My salary doesn't go up or down, whether you give to the all-in campaign. It's set by, by a, a group of trustees based on a national review compensation study. So like none of this has to do with me going up or going down. Like I'm good. And your deacon team takes very good care of our family. And I'm so grateful for a wonderful deacon team. Helps us even serve more and give more because they take good care of us. But here's what it looks like in 22 and 2023. If we just give what we gave last year in 2021, that would be roughly 3.5 million, 3.5 million. If you do the math, that's 7 million. So if we don't do anything, we're already at 7 million over the next 24 months. God is inviting us to initiate with like seed money an additional $4 million that will not pay for everything God wants us to do, but it will get us started in everything that God wants us to do. Um, that's what totals 11 million. But, but, but like I said, that's, that's the secondary goal. Here's the primary goal, the number one goal. Here's the primary, 100% participation. Wherever you are in a journey, that you would just participate. That's the goal, that's the goal, okay? It, it's not about hitting them, let me, let me tell you this. If, if we had someone come up to me afterwards, and there are people in our church that have this capacity, and they could write an $11 million check, we would still do this whole thing. Why? Well, I, 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 if they did that, I would also like shout hallelujah, I'd fall out, then I'd kiss them right on the mouth. And then I'd go explain to Janet what I just did, then she would go over there and kiss them on the mouth. And then after that, we would still do this whole campaign, and here's why. Because this isn't a financial thing, this is a spiritual journey. If God's not first, he's really not God. And this is gonna require us allowing God to be first in our lives, even financially. We want everybody to take a journey. We call it the giving journey. And we're all, we're all kind of climbing on this journey. And it all starts with everybody's a potential giver, but not everybody gives at Timber Creek. Not everybody gives. But we're asking those that you've never given to just emerge and start somewhere, just start somewhere. Okay? That you would then become a consistent giver. Somebody on this thing that you, maybe you've, you've given every once in a while, but you would, you would set it as a budgetary item and a consistent thing the same way that you get dressed in the morning to come to church, that you would be prepared to give on a monthly or biweekly or whatever that looks, consistent basis. Now the Bible gives us the mandate, honestly, for Christ followers, and that is the tithe, the 10%. Tithe means 10%. And for some of you, that would be your journey to take the, the biblical mantle of spiritual giving and tithing. And then there are those of you that you've already there and God may be asking you, would you consider 
moving beyond that. Wherever you are in the journey, wherever God has you, Pastor Jeremy's not looking to twist anybody's arm. I want this for you. I don't want this from you because I know what God does when I align my priorities with his. He blesses, he blesses, he blesses. Now, let me show you where we are. 50% of Timber Creek Church adults, givers, okay, land in this area of consistent tithe and extravagant, okay? Half, half of our church, um, about 5% are extravagant, about 30% are here, and then the others are consistent. Then 10% have emerged and give on occasion something every once in a while, and 40% of us have never given. Have, have never tried to give to God through Timber Creek. And so all I'm inviting us to do is not everybody jump to one location. I'm inviting everybody to simply take a next step and surrender for God. So what will make week one of All In a big win is not if you commit today. In fact, there is no commitment today. Notice I haven't even talked about the offering today. So I'm not trying to twist anybody's arm. Thank you for your generosity. We, we pay bills this week just like we did last week. So if you don't give, I mean, we got some money in the bank. We'll pay the bills for a while. But as you continue to already be faithful, we're able to do what God's called us to do. This is an opportunity for us to do more together up to our centennial. Here's what I want you leaving with. Here's what I want you leaving with today. I want you leaving with the thought, my church is incredible, because it is, because his church is beautiful, his church is incredible, and the vision is big, and the vision is grand, because God is big, and God is grand, and God is strong, and God is mighty, and there's nothing my God cannot do. And I want you to leave it, oh, my church is incredible. Y'all come to my church, my church, I love my church. We're gonna make some t-shirts, I love my church. Will you wear a shirt, shirt, shirt? Be careful. Will you wear a shirt that says, I love my church? Will you wear that? All right, whatever. All right, three of you. I'll make it for you then. Church as fuego. I don't know how to say it, Iglesia. I'm sorry. My church is incredible. I want you to leave in feeling that way because God is incredible. God is incredible. I want you to leave in saying, my God wants to do more than I can imagine through me and my church. Do not dishonor God with small dreams. It is a slap in the face of God for us to live lives of small vision and small dreams because he's a big God with more than enough. I'm hoping that you will want to partner in what God is gonna do next through this church, through your church, through, my, through this church, his church. As you leave today, you'll receive a booklet. It's got in detail what God is calling us to do over the next five years, 17 pages, and in it, it has how you're going to partner what it looks like, some reminders on where we're headed and what we're doing, the vision of God for Timber Creek. And you can take that and I'm inviting you to pray over it and consider it. And if you have a family, to talk about it together as a family. Um, if you have friends, uh, talk with, it, with, with a friend if you don't have a family attending with you. But here, here's really, this what makes a win today is that you would say, I'm gonna make a commitment to make a commitment in the coming weeks. Not asking for the commitment today, just a commitment to make a commitment in the coming weeks. And I wrestled with how to end this sermon. You can tell. <laughs> 
It wasn't until 8.40 this morning that I felt like God led me to this passage. It was a prayer of Paul, a declaration, a benediction to the church of Ephesus. And this is how I'm inviting you to soak all this in today as we conclude. Paul says, now to him who is able, and that him is not me, and that him is not you, that him is him, that him is Jesus, the son of the living God, to him who is able. He's able to meet you where you are. He's able to forgive you. He's able to give you a second chance and a 10th and a 14th. To do immeasurably more. He's able to do more. His ability to do more in you is better than your capacity to even ask him because he can do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. You can't even dream up all that he wants to do through you and through this church. All that we ask or imagine according to his power, not your power, not my power. Thank God, because if it were in our power, there's no way we could do what God wants us to do next. According to his power, that is at work within us. It's not his power out there doing his work. And let's say, let go and let God. No, God, let's partner with you. And it's his work within us and through us, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the world that he's able to do more, immeasurably more. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. The weight of who he is in the church. He doesn't want to just show his glory out here. He wants the church to show his glory. And we go for these 36,500 souls. Why? To lay those at his feet as a gift to him. To honor him and bring him glory. In the church and in Christ Jesus. Through all generations. Every generation at the table forever and ever and ever. And until Jesus comes back, we're gonna put aside this cause and that cause to seek and see save those who are still lost because no weapon formed against her will prosper. Not even hell with its devil could possibly ever stop her. She'll never stop going and she'll never stop growing. Timber Creek will remain relentless on mission with a global passion and God-given vision. This is the church he sees. And today, 36,500, I believe, is actually 36,490. Because we've talked about all these dreams, but the truth is, there are at least 10 of you right now. It's time. It's time to come to Jesus. He loves you and he's not mad at you. He's not waiting with arms crossed. He's waiting with arms wide open. He doesn't make you take all the moves. Like the prodigal son, the father busts off of the front porch and meets the son where he is. Before the son can even get himself cleaned up from all the pig junk in that story, he was waddling with pigs, he was so lost. The father puts a ring on him and puts a coat on him, junk and all, pig mess and all. And I'm telling you, Jesus meets you in your junk today. And he loves you, but he loves you so much, you can't make yourself clean. He has to wrap you. He's already done it with the cross. Every head bowed, every eye closed, you're here today and you need Jesus in your life. If that's you, no hesitation, all campuses, 
I need to put my hand up because I need Jesus as the Lord of my life. If that's you, put a hand up. Yes, several hands, several hands. Here, I know it in Nack as well. You can put your hands down. Jesus sees you way beyond I could or your campus pastor. Right now, you'd simply say, Jesus, I love you. I give you my heart. I wanna follow you. Thank you for not being mad at me. Thank you for giving me this moment to begin to follow you. Help me learn what it looks like to be more like you. I can't save myself, but you did because of what you did on the cross and you're still alive and you're so powerful. And I invite you into my life. Now for the rest of us, would you just put your hand on your heart? Jesus, whatever's next, we make a commitment to make a commitment to follow after you, all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen.